Welcome to Raidercast, the Tomb Raider podcast which dives into the myths and monsters of Lara Croft's world. Today I'm chatting with a new special guest, long-term Tomb Raider fan, creator of the Palkies Gaming podcast, tech journalist and more recently author of The Making of Tomb Raider, Daryl Baxter. Welcome to Raidercast. Thank you Chris, thanks for having me, I'm excited. How are you doing today? Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, really good. It's um, It feels weird to actually have the book out there, all official, and uh, after so long keeping it to myself. <laughs> I can imagine. That must be super exciting, and I can't wait to talk to you about all of your little projects as well. So this is going to be really cool. Yeah. So, as I like to do with every Raidercast guest, I would love to start by chatting a little bit to you about how you came about finding Tomb Raider. Can you tell us a little bit about your Tomb Raider journey and how you first encountered Lara? Yeah, absolutely. So it all started July 97 when I was given a PlayStation. And I remember being given a demo disc called Demo 1. So that was like a, a nice I love nice Demo there. 1. <laughs> With the T-Rex demo oh, and the Stingray. And the Manta. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so good. So oh, good. And there was one little game on there which I noticed which is called tomb raider and it was the second level so city of alicamba and just like because i like the year before i was playing sonic 3 and then the switch to tomb raider was quite the jump so there i am just trying to like figure out the buttons figure out where i'm going hitting these bats the wolves and a bear just out of nowhere and i'm thinking <laughs> what is this what has happened and you know, because I was eight years old, I didn't know where to go. So I, all I remember actually from that time was just swimming. Swimming through those little aqueducts and just finding a switch and thinking, oh, can I pick the, like these idols up? Can I pick up this hay for some reason? Can I build something from this? Can I block the bear? No, but <laughs> <laughs> I still could remember like hearing the music for the first time, going through, and then it would end, I think, just when I found the uh, the key. Um, for the next section and ever since then it just kind of made me want to you know just see what the game was about and then around this time as well my grandma bless her she bought me a games master magazine which had just finished covering e397 which of course yeah showed tomb raider 2 and i thought well i know what i'm asking for christmas (laughs) and it just led up to there, and uh, I remember it clear as anything. I got Crash 2, Pandemonium 2, and Tomb Raider 2 on Christmas Day, and I remember Spice Girls playing in the background because it was Christmas <laughs> number one, and I'm there playing Great Wall. I remember it so vividly, Chris. And yeah, ever since then, it's just been the first two games that have just really kind of meant a lot and just been the ones that I've remembered the most, really. Fantastic. So what are some of your favourite levels from those games? Are they sort of also, I guess, maybe tied to nostalgia or have they changed over the years? Mm. To be honest, I think I've kind of like, like stayed the same really because it is that second level again for Tomb Raider yeah. 1 because it's the one I always remember. Uh, you know, you've also kind of got like the other ones in Tomb Raider 1 because I would get the game, uh, I think it was like late 98, I think, like between 2 and 3, I, mm-hmm. I got the first game. So I went through that, and I remember, like, you know, Palace Midas, you know, just going, what happens on this hand? And then just gets the gold, and that's the <laughs> end of the level. <laughs> that is definitely one that I remember as well. Um, but, yeah, because I got Tomb Raider 2, 
for Christmas, there's a lot of levels from that game I remember, that I remember fondly. So you've got Venice, you've got Great Wall, you've got Floating Islands, <laughs> you've got Dragon's Lair, Home Sweet Home, Tibet, um, you know, mainly because I also remember watching Games Master on Channel 4, and they did a race of Tibet as well. You know, that just <laughs> blew my mind. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. I didn't realise you could actually just, you know, race. It was way before like esports or speedruns were a thing, but it was there in Games Master in '97. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a lot of games, sorry, a lot of levels from there. From I remember, but even just after that as well. I mean, even Tomb Raider 4. Like to be honest, with the train level, that's when I remember so vividly. Because honestly, if they just did the whole Tomb Raider 4 with just on a train. Like Orient Express style, I love that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tomb Raiding on the Orient Express, I love that. Oh, you could just see that, can't you? The future game. <laughs> I still, to be honest, whenever I think about games that include train-based levels, Tomb Raider mm. 4s is still up there. It's still really cool. Like considering mm. it's what you're twelve years old. No, oh, God, no, twenty-two years old. 20, 20, yes, yeah, 22. I always went 12 as 12, well. <laughs> 12 years old. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but I mean, they had others. They had like on um, Uncharted, there was an amazing train level as well. And all the way through playing that one, I just kept thinking, Lara did this. Lara did this. And it was <laughs> just as first. good. It was really cool. Um, and then I think more recently as well, a little bit of an odd one, but it still reminded me of Tomb Raider, was Hitman 3. There was right. a level based on a train in that as well. And again, I think it was just because it's that sort of progression, fighting mm. your way up through a train mm. to get somewhere. It's really cool. Um, so how did you feel in terms of the series progression? Has it changed hands? Did you enjoy the, the Legend era just as much? I did, yeah. I remember you know, coming across, like because uh, I used to get a Tomb Raider game every Christmas up until Chronicles, really. I remember that. I remember getting... tradition. Yeah, tradition, yeah, yeah. Um, without a Spy Still song after 99, it was a shame. <laughs> um, but, you know, all things must come to an end. But, yeah, Chronicles with a level editor, I remember doing that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the progression kind of like... I remember Angel of Darkness coming in. I remember Legend. I remember the reboot. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, like, as you grow up, you know, you kind of like, you know, kind of move on with a few games or some interests. Just how life is, you know, it's yeah. just normal. Normal way of life. And I remember just kind of having, to be honest, just enough with Tomb Raider after the Angel of Darkness. And it wasn't until maybe a year after Legend came out that I kind of went back to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Legend was just, I thought, such a fun game and return to form as well. And obviously anniversary as well. Um, so after Core Design, those two were the ones I remember the most. The reboots, don't get me wrong, I've played them. I've enjoyed them for what they are. Um, but personally, I just don't feel like it gets the Tomb Raider vibe. Um, but as games, perfectly entertaining. Um, happily buy them again if they were on a bargain on PS5. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Remaster everything. Yes. It's a little hint. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that seems to be something I've noticed a few people saying as well. Like, I I do try and encourage like a a positive vibe when it comes to like people's preferences within Tomb Raider and even for me that sort of changed from someone who used to be so full of rage about anything I didn't like to now and it's like 
you know, there are so there are a lot of people who do say something very similar to what you just said then that played them. They're completely fine games. They're really cool, but maybe they're not quite what they feel that Tomb Raider could be. Mm. But no, there's some really amazing parts in that, and it's still mm. it's part of the journey. It's still it's like yes. whether people like it or not, it's still Tomb Raider. But yeah, how are you feeling about the proposed unification of the timelines? Oh, uh, we've got to talk about it. We have to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm enthusiastic about it. I mean, I have. I, I kind of like to try and stay away from kind of like the, the Twitter's verse of, of the opinions on that route and, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> less said about the better. Um, but, you know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I, said, I, I think I said this to yourself on uh, when you guessed on Pal Keys and when I was on the vault with Vic and Jason. I mean, everyone's talked to their opinion, um, but I think there's a limit, really. Um, you know, everyone should be encouraging and enthusiastic about everything. And with this unification, I mean, I'm all for it, obviously. Um, I do feel like, and I think I said this in a tweet a few weeks ago, that to have a sequel of Angel of Darkness where it could unify with the artifact, I think could be a perfect way of, in a storyline based anyway, in a narrative, I think that could be great. And I'm all for it because I do feel like with Tomb Raider, it's, caught, it's gone into a kind of a, a strange tangent where there's nostalgia on one side, there's reboot on the other, and there should be a convergence. I really, really should be. And I feel like narratively there is an opportunity there for something to happen that could benefit everyone. Um, I'd say everyone, 90%, but you know, <laughs> you can't please everyone. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's abundantly clear with everyone over the year, I think. <laughs> so going slightly beyond the, the idea of the unification, Seems like like it's like a religious thing at the moment. It's like the great unification. Um, what would you personally like to see in the future of the series? Maybe in terms of character or gameplay aspects, anything like that. What's some of the things that you think? Oh, you know, I'd love to see that. Mm. So, I've always kind of like been in the camp of of wanting like an older Lara Croft, but voiced by Helen Mirren. That's what I'd like to see. Wow. You know? Show me something. I've always, yeah, just this kind of like Dark Knight Returns DC graphic novel, but Tomb Raider, where you know Lara's just been out of the game for years, and there's kind of like this one last artifact that she has to do, and it's Helen Mirren, and it's just everything's there, and she's just. Yeah, it's just going for it. And I'd love to see that, you know? Because I feel like, obviously, gameplay-wise, I kind of feel like there's an opportunity that's between Uncharted and Hitman, actually. Okay. I feel like there's, like, a really kind of, like, middle ground there where you can have a Helen Mirren, Tomb Raider-esque narrative. Um, definitely has a level with a train. I will say that now. <laughs> I've got to have a Why train not? level. Yeah. But um, I always kind of feel like there's a... Like, with the settings, I mean, something like with the like certain dynasties in the Ethiopian like times, you know, like around the, uh, I think it's like around the 1200s. Like there's okay. so much, you know, like, like Christian, uh, like archeology span and history mm. that you could really just dive into. Yeah. And because I feel like, you know, <laughs> Egypt's been done to death. Peru's been done to death. You know, I just feel like it's time for something new now, you know, really, yeah. but do it with a different Lara Croft, but also as well, Bring back the wit of it and the comedy, because that was a big part of the beginnings, really. It was the thing that kind of made you enjoy it. It was that Bond-esque, Indiana Jones-esque of Lara Croft that was with 
thanks to Shelley and Judith and mm. every other voice, you know, in those early days, I feel like because of the comedy that's missing, and I think from the reboot especially, mm. you bring that in with Helen Mirren on a train level, you've got a good game to come. <laughs> I didn't realise how much I need this. Just say you're a legend around here. I've, um, I've never heard of you. Must have been a bit before my time. Well, you've heard of me now. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is really cool. I mean, I'm really excited as well because obviously they've just announced um, Haley Atwell as Lara's voice for the anime cartoon series. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I am so excited. I am so excited. <laughs> I've so... wanted that for so long, and then they were like, "Yeah, it's her," and I was like. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic isn't it it's just Oof. the perfect especially after watching the what if episode as well mm. you know with captain carter it just yes. fits the characters so well and it's it's that sort of mixture of kicking ass but also quipping like, yeah this yeah. is this is gonna work this is gonna work very nicely yeah spot on spot yeah. on i feel like there's so much that could they could do with the character there with Haley atwell but also like i said again on, on a tweet like if they kind of mix that into a future game if it is the unification mm-hmm. and have Haley stay on that could be a great you know like kind of passing on from an into game and yeah. just just taking advantage of that really because you know we all know she's a great actress yeah. great great fit for lara and I feel like we're in the next stage now where it could really work. And just from my fanboy-esque side of it, just bring back, you know, like Shelley and Judith for no reason at all. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why Do an game moment on your left. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really cool. Just for once, it'd be nice to walk into a room and not have the statues try to kill me. Talking about Shelley and Judith, let's dive a little bit into your book. So we're talking about the early games. Tell us a little bit about the making of Tomb Raider. What inspired Mm -hmm. you to to start making this? Oh, this is a story. (laughs) So this kind of like started with me just writing at the beginning, really, back in 2012. I was at uni. Uh, The uni mag was asking for pitches and I'd never written really anything before to be honest so i thought you know i just put something in about two medicine because of course and got accepted and it was in a book and uh, say a book a magazine and i just couldn't believe that happened and i got the book for writing there and then and it just kind of got me to think well maybe if i get an interview maybe with someone from regional team see what happens and that led to the interview with nathan and the thing is 2012 i mean there wasn't really the amount of interviews and knowledge that we know now it was really difficult to kind of re- come up with an interview that featured Shelley or Heather or Nathan or Peter there just wasn't um way before like yourself or Tomb of Ash or anyone it was really kind of barren so yeah I reached out to Nathan through Facebook got the interview and I just kind of thought after a few months what would happen if like this kind of snowballed and I just thought about the book and it was just a just a thought that kind of was in my head and then the pandemic hit <laughs> a uh, lovely pandemic and i just thought well let's just pitch this idea to a few publishers because it's either going to be now or i'll have the time to do it and i don't know when the vaccine could be happening so let's just see what happens and after a while 
it got accepted and I couldn't believe it and I thought is this a dream no it's not so <laughs> the, the aim was always to write about the first game actually in the beginning because I just felt like even though you know the diehard enthusiastic fan knew some bits about it maybe through websites and things the casual user the one who's maybe played it through demo one has a nostalgic thought about it but hasn't gone back to it since maybe they're curious about wanting to hear about the history of it instead you know because I feel like there's so much breadth of opportunity there with a lot of people there who are out there right now. And I thought, let's go for that. So the first game was the plan. And <laughs> it was a busy time, Chris, I'll be honest. I had nine <laughs> months to find people, interview people, transcribe. Wow. And the thing is, I, I kind of said to myself, like, I'm stuck with a blank canvas. I'm not going, to, obviously, to go back to my previous interviews or maybe when I did the suite and interviewed Nathan and a few others. I'm just going to start from scratch. I'm going to pretend like it's 1998. The two teams have left uh, from Tomb Raider. I'm going to Core Design or other places in Derby to meet them and speak about it. That's what my mindset was, right? That's what it was. So I felt like I time traveled to 98 and I was talking to people who made the first two games. So that's what I did. And that's how I built up the book and uh, that's yeah pretty much the answer to your question. <laughs> wow this is really cool so big exciting start I mean pandemic aside but I guess it did give you the time to work on such a massive project. Were there any challenges writing it? Yeah a couple so I mean one of the aspects was obviously a few people getting in contact really so you know there was toby Gard, there was vicky arnold there was a few others as well um and it was something like this requires a lot of patience really because at the end of the day these are people it's been 25 years a lot of people aren't going to remember how it was or the intricacies of making the engine or things like that so mm. you always had to make sure that even they have some questions ready be prepared to kind of divert you know just in case and just I kind of like approached it how I do with power keys really have a rough idea of how to what to ask the guest but you know don't be <laughs> um direct um I should say really with like who did this what what happened here what's missing why I, no that's not my style at all Chris um so that was a challenge really just trying to make sure that all the answers that I got as well were able to join the dots with the layout that I'd chosen for the book with all these chapters because the big challenge throughout this was making sure that the story was able to flow from core design to when the team left, basically in 98. So the big challenge really was not just finding people, it was making sure that everything that I transcribed and, and found from these interviews made a coherent story. So after, I think it was maybe after the seventh month, so we're talking about maybe, oh, this time last year actually, <laughs> um, was when I actually got the rough, draft the very first rough draft done um and yeah that was a difficult one but the only one i couldn't hear back from was vicky arnold because the amount of time i spent trying to find vicky um it was pretty much the length of doing this book wow. i was actually i was to the point where i thought it's a pseudonym vicky arnold doesn't exist it's someone else you know goodness me. <sighs> Yeah, and it turns out, thanks to a couple of people I'd interviewed before, um, she was real, and um, from what Jeremy Heath-Smith had told me as well, she was indeed real, um, and I was actually able to get a photo of her as well, 
Um, but obviously, because I couldn't find her, I couldn't actually feature the photo in the book. Yeah. So it, it just couldn't happen. Um, but yeah, she was the only one I couldn't get in contact with. Um, so make about what you will of who is in the book anyway. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. I know a lot of people have mentioned over the years about Vicky Arnold and her fundamental role as well in Lara's character, like to the degree where I've seen it mentioned that she's basically Lara Croft's mum. Mm. Um, can we expect things, counterpoints, where someone you've interviewed has been uh, telling you, oh yeah, such and such, it was like this, but then you've spoken to someone else who was like, no, it really wasn't like that. Can we expect things like that? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> there are. There's definitely two topics that spring to mind that I won't spoil, but there are some kind of, I don't want to say misconceptions, but maybe, I think because of the passage of time, maybe some things have been kind of always, maybe misunderstood is, a, is the right word, perhaps. Okay. Just because as the years pass, I mean, I don't, usually I don't remember what I did two months ago, you know, so I mean, 25 years, you're going to forget things, you're going to misremember things. So if there were a few topics which I wanted to find out, because don't get me wrong, as it's the reason why I'm on this podcast and I've talked about it while I'm doing the book, I'm a big fan of Tomb Raider. I don't probably say it on Twitter, but I am. I just express it in a different way. Um, so I wanted to write it for someone like me who wanted to find out certain things that hasn't really been documented before and I found it out which is great um, so there are some things in there which has proved different facts otherwise so uh, yeah it's an interesting time interesting that's going to be cool so there do you reckon there's going to be things in that book that some people are going to find really surprising yes excellent yeah. oh that's exciting that's really cool <laughs> How do you feel about the book now it's done? I didn't expect this to happen so soon, to be honest. I thought I'd be doing this in my like, late 30s, to be honest, you know, um, when I was married and had some kids and I thought, oh, I'll just do this in the cupboard, you know, and I'll keep writing it and hopefully someone picks it up. Um, but yeah, that's that's the first thing, the fact that I've been able to do this book in nine months and that's kind of covered pretty much everything I wanted to really, from the makings of it, from the prototypes to what was... Um, misconstrued in some places and I managed to get everyone um, up to a point in the book and of course I mean you know like Troy's in the book as well I spoke to him like three times I believe and he was you know he was so great you know he was so passionate about his time he was so nostalgic and we were just having a laugh about it I think we spoke I think last August and you know he's got this he had this busy job at Team 17 and uh Oh, it's, it, yeah, it, it, it was such a shame. And he's, he was all willing to be coming to the event as well. So it was just kind of a double barrel thing to me because uh, I was ready to send him the book as well. And uh, yeah, but he, he said so many good stories and his appreciation for everyone there at Core Design and the fans as well. So I was so pleased just to have his voice in there as well. That's going to be something really special. That's going to be really, really nice. In like kind of the early stage of the book, I was kind of thinking, well, how would you kind of go about this, like from a story perspective? Because the way I saw it was, I mean, the first two games were roughly kind of made in about nine, ten months, and the book was the same. So I was kind of treating this like an unofficial <laughs> documentary almost, really, the first two games. Um, and actually, I didn't actually decide to do anything about the second game until maybe the sixth month, because I I realised 
that the original team had also made the sequel and i thought well it can't be a complete story if i didn't mention the second game so Fantastic. that's why that's why the second game is in there as well it's a it is the full story about the original team um so i it's going to sound strange chris but bear, bear with me so i love like documentaries and like how narrative structures formed certain documentaries and a few years ago i was watching the oasis documentary supersonic and i loved just how they framed that and how they had different stories and and different talking heads and things like that as well and i pretty much kind of like was influenced by doing that setup into the book and i think it's come across well so yeah it's it's a narrative story really everyone's talking about it and it's just me pretty much kind of like being a louis through while they're making tomb raider one and two just like on the uh, like if you've seen so many photos like from certain sites i'm probably just i'm probably there just outside the frame you know like outside just kind of writing things down that's how it felt like when i was talking to them all so that's really kind of how it is narratively it's, it's a story a documentary from beginning middle and end and what could have been as well so wow now this sounds like an immense passion project this is so so cool talking about derby Let's mm. talk a little bit about the 25th Tomb Raider event at Derby Quad. Mm. What sort of thing can we expect from your segment? Well, this is going to be the official launch of the book, really. So there's going to be a chat by you know Heather, Gavin, um, Judith, Susie, who hasn't done a lot of talks, really. Hasn't talked about the book um, and the game, really. Um, so Susie's there. Um, Pete Barnard as well. Um, it's all going to be about their history, um, you know, making the game, their experiences, obviously their parts in the book as well. And of course, Jude is going to do a bit of a reading for it as well, the book, which is going to be very surreal for me. So, yes, that's going to be a moment, Chris. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a special time. It's going to be at 45 minutes. Um, and like I say, the book will be available throughout the day as well so even before my event you'll be able to get it there'll be a stall um and also after the events you'll be able to get the book signed by myself judith heather gavin pete and perhaps anyone else who could be coming as well fantastic that sounds amazing what is the official launch date of the book yeah sure so it's going to be the 25th of october in the uk and the 30th everywhere else so it's pretty much like the next seven days after the event really <laughs> it's going to be yeah it's going to be very immense but it's everywhere it's on amazon uh itunes bookstore um google even it's waterstones as well that was a moment seeing that it's everywhere so yeah um but obviously it's in the main one pen and sword who are publishing it you just buy it from those you can have it either as an epub that you can have it on your ipad or tablets or just have the book delivered straight to your door but of course there will be books at the event as well so you can get it before they release <laughs> so people people are flying in for this event so it's really cool it's really exciting mm. and it's going to be amazing just seeing all of the the tomb raider fans and actually getting to speak to people yeah same it's just it's surreal that you know like five years ago you know we had the the suite of nathan mccree and ever since we've had peter Connolly's incredible dark angel symphony yeah. and and now you know um, it's it's my book it's, it's yourself it's steve war it's going to be a such a great day and i mean 
Lucas said as well, who's the guy who's arranging it, you know, we're well over 100 tickets for it, which is incredible. And we're all on the verge of selling out, which is just something else. So um, if, you, if you're thinking about it, go for it, please. And yes. uh, it'll be great to see you all. Get your tickets now before they sell out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've actually got the, uh, I don't know if you can see that, but the book is there. Oh my God, it's there. a mammoth. Yeah, yeah. It's no like way! I a... thought it was. I thought it was going to be like sort of A five size. No, no. It's all there. I know the blurriness kind of gets it out of the shot, but because the aim with the pictures is, I mean, it's like I said. I mean, obviously, this is all by me. You know, all the interviews and the pictures as well. So, you know, there's some incredible designs that Paul has sent me, Heather sent me, Nathan sent me. You know, it's all in the book. All credits to them. They sent me it. Um, all the in-game pictures are by me i've played tomb raider one and two hundreds of times and i made sure i put in the screenshots inside but they're widescreen because i thought in a book it works if it's in widescreen because if you've got it by a four by three you've just mm. got empty space around it yeah but widescreen fill it covers the top yeah fill it so tomb raider one and two full on widescreen it's in there it's good to go you're going to be loving it <laughs> sounds good to me tell us where can people find you on Twitter, anywhere else on the internet, if they want to chat to you about the book as well? Um, you can find me at Twitter mainly. So it's just at Daryl Baxter. Um, also got a site, DarylBaxter.com. Uh, but there's links everywhere to the book as well. So, you know, if you haven't pre-ordered it yet, you can do it right now. Um, and also you can find me at my day job at Tech Radar, which I'll be covering all the tech and the software because, you know, time recording, I've been very busy covering the iPhone 13. So <laughs> it's been a fun but busy time. But uh, yeah, once it's done, it's going to be full on into the book. Fantastic. Daryl, thank you so, so much for becoming a, a brand new guest on Radiocast. It's been a thank great you chat. So much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.